This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. Today is December the 11th, 2018. It is Tuesday evening. It is just after 11 o'clock in the evening here in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Uh, It was about 12 hours ago. I, I did a message and I have mentioned on that message that I had intentions of doing something uh, to honor our Blessed Mother Mary under the title of Our Lady of Guadalupe or as her feast day is quickly approaching. It is, it is of course, uh, December the 12th. And I, I wanted to have this message out and, and ready uh, for her feast day. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to do, I'm going to read uh, some things verbatim from the EWTM the EWTN website. And the reason I want to do that is because now they, they if you go to this, if you go to the website the uh, and, and search EWTN, Our Lady of Guadalupe, you, if you go to this specific site, there is a tremendous amount of information on the history of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just, uh, in essence, summarize some of this information, but at the same time while reading uh, a, a portion, you know, a part of it uh, verbatim. And what I'm going to do, the very first thing I'm going to do is read this very first paragraph here. And it reads as follows. In the 16th century, the Blessed Virgin moved with pity for the Aztec people who, living in the darkness of idolatry, offered to their idols multitudes of human victims, deigned to take in into her own hands the evangelization of these Indians of Central America who were also her children. One of the Aztec gods, lowercase g, originally considered, again, the lowercase g here, the god of fertility, had transformed himself over time into a ferocious god, a symbol of the sun. This god was in a continuous battle with the moon and the stars and was believed to need human blood to restore his strength. If he died, life would be extinguished, ever new victims to be offered to him in perpetual human sacrifice, therefore seemed essential. Let's stop for just a moment. And the the reason I want to do this message is is to try to, in a a very quick way, uh, just educate as many people out there who maybe know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, but really don't know the whole history. Um, very quickly, too, this is a national, a national holiday in the country of Mexico. Something that is uh, just, that, that's magnificent. And wouldn't that be amazing if one day we had a national holiday in America for our Blessed Mother? That would be miraculous. Now, what I knew previous to some of this reading, I knew some of this. I knew as a, as a basic history was that uh, the Aztec people were obviously, you know, they were they were pagans um, and had uh, were you know polygamists. They were worshiping um, multiple gods and didn't have a you know a specific religion, so to speak. What they were doing was it was really idolatry, is what it was, and it had just gotten out of hand. It looks like with this human sacrifice. And what we're seeing is our Blessed Mother interceding, as she always does. She really took it upon herself to intercede on behalf of these uh, of these people because of this the tragedy of human sacrifice. 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip down a few uh, paragraphs and I'm going to read really the interaction that you see between Juan Diego, who our Blessed Mother is appearing to, and Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay, so at this time, Juan Diego and his wife, Maria Lucia, had recently been baptized into the Catholic faith. So there was an act, so that, that I think that's incredibly important for us to understand. Now, yes, as I just mentioned, our Blessed Mother initiated this intervention, which is really what it was, through this apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But to whom our Blessed Mother appeared, she found someone who had taken an act of faith in the form of the sacrament, the holy sacrament of baptism. Let me read to you what our Blessed Mother said to Juan Diego. And this is in 15, this is 1531. She spoke to him in his native language and she said to him, Juanito, my son, where are you going? Juan Diego responded, Noble lady, my queen, I am going to the mass in Mexico City to hear the divine things that the priest teaches us there. Our mother, our mother Mary responds, I want you to know for certain, my dear son, that I am the perfect and always Virgin Mary, mother of the true God, from whom all life comes, the Lord of all things, creator of heaven and earth. I greatly desire that a church be built in my honor, in which I will show my love, compassion, and protection. I am your mother, full of mercy and love for you. And all those who love me, trust in me, and have recourse to me, I will hear their complaints, and I will comfort their affliction and their sufferings, so that I might show all my love, go now to the bishop in Mexico City, and tell him that I am sending you to make known to him the great desire I have to see a church dedicated to me built here. Juan Diego went straight to the bishop. A Franciscan, the first bishop of Mexico, he was a pious man and full of zeal. He had a heart overflowing with kindness towards the Indians. He heard the poor man attentively, but fearing an illusion, did not, did not put much faith in his story. Towards evening, Juan Diego started on his way home again. At the top of the hill, he had the pleasant surprise of meeting the apparition again. He told her about his mission and then added, I beg you to entrust your message to someone more known and respected so that he will believe it. I'm only a simple Indian. We have sent as a messenger to an important person. Therefore, he didn't believe me. And I do not want to greatly disappoint you. My dearest son, replied the lady, you must understand that there are many more noble men to whom 
I could have entrusted my message. And yet, it is because of you that my plan will succeed. Return to the bishop tomorrow. Tell him that it is I myself, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, who am sending you. On Sunday morning after the Mass, Juan Diego went to the bishop's house. They asked him many questions and asked him for a tangible sign of the truth of the apparition. When Juan Diego went home, the bishop had had him discreetly followed by two servants. At the bridge, Juan Diego disappeared from their sight despite all their searches on the hill and in the surrounding area. They could not find him again. Furious, they declared to the bishop that Juan Diego was an imposter who must absolutely not be believed. During this time, Juan Diego told the beautiful lady who was waiting for him on the hill about his most recent meeting with the bishop. Come back tomorrow morning to seek the sign he is asking for, replied the apparition. Returning home, the Indian found his uncle ill on the next day. He had to stay at his bedside to take care of him. As the illness got worse, the uncle asked his nephew to go look for a priest. At dawn on Tuesday, December 12th, Juan Diego started on the road to the city. Approaching the, th approaching the hill, he thought it'd be best to make a detour so as not to meet the lady. But suddenly, he perceived her coming to meet him. Embarrassed, he explained his situation and promised to come back when he had found a priest to administer last rites to his uncle. My dear little one, replied the apparition, do not be distressed about your uncle's illness because he will not die from it. I assure you that he will get well. Go to the top of the hill, pick the flowers that you will see there and bring them to me. When he had arrived at the top of the hill, the Indian was stunned to find a great number of flowers in bloom. Roses that gave off a very sweet fragrance. Indeed, in the winter, the cold allows nothing to survive. And besides, the place was too dry for flowers to grow there. Juan Diego gathered the roses and folded them in his cloak or tilma and went back down the hill. My dear son, said the lady, these flowers are the sign that you are to give the bishop. This will get him to build the church that I've asked for. Juan Diego ran to the bishop. When he arrived, the servants made him wait for hours, amazed at his patience and intrigued by what he was carrying in his tilma. They finally informed the bishop who, although with several people, had him shown in immediately. The Indian related his adventure, unfolded his tilma, and let the flowers where they still shining, where they were still shining with dew, scattered to the floor. The bishop was in tears, fell to his knees, admiring the roses from his country. All of a sudden, he perceived on the tomb of the portrait of Our Lady. Mary's image was there, as though printed on the cloak, very beautiful and full of gentleness. The bishop's doubts gave way to a sure faith and a hope filled with wonder. He took the tilma and the roses and placed them respectfully in his private residence. The next day, he went with Juan Diego on the hill where the apparitions had taken place. 
after having examined the sights. He let the seer return to his uncle's house. Juan Bernardino had been completely cured. That's his uncle. His cure had taken place at the very hour when Our Lady appeared to his nephew. He told him, I've also seen her. She even came here and talked to me. She wants a church to be built on the hill and wants her portrait to be called St. Mary of Guadalupe. But she didn't explain to me why the name Guadalupe was well known by the Spanish because in their country there's an old sanctuary dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe. The news of the miracle spread quickly. Juan Diego became well known. I will spread your fame, Mary had told him. But the Indian remained as humble as ever. Now the next year on Christmas, the bishop consecrated his cathedral to the most blessed Virgin Mary to thank her for the remarkable favors with which she had blessed his diocese. Then, in a magnificent procession, the miraculous image was carried to the sanctuary that had just been completed on the hill. To express their joy, the Indians shot arrows. One of them, shot carelessly, went through the throat of a participant in the procession who fell to the ground, fatally wounded. A great silence fell and intense supplication rose to the mother of God. Suddenly the wounded man who had been placed at the foot of the miraculous image collected himself and got up full of vigor. The crowd's enthusiasm was at its peak. When the Indians had learned the news of Our Lady's apparitions and enthusiasm and joy such as had never been seen before spread among them, they renounced their idols, superstitions, human sacrifices, and polygamy. And many asked to be baptized. Nine years after the apparitions, nine million Indians had converted to the Christian faith. Nearly 3,000 a day. The details of the image of Mary moved the Indians deeply. This woman is greater than the sun god since she appears standing before the sun. She surpasses the moon god, since she keeps the moon under her feet. She is no longer of this world, since she is surrounded by clouds and is held above the world by an angel. Her folded hands show her in prayer, which means that there is someone greater than she. Those were the thoughts and the words of the Indians at that time. What logic? I'm going to read just a few more paragraphs. Even in our time, the mystery of the miraculous image remains. The tilma, a large apron, woven by hand from cactus fibers, bears the holy image. The Virgin's face is perfectly oval and is a gray color verging on pink. Her eyes have a profound expression of purity and gentleness. The mouth seems to smile. The very beautiful face, 
similar to that of, an, of the face of an Indian, is framed by a black head of hair that up close is comprised of silky locks. She is clad in a full tunic. And she is clad in a full tunic of a pinkish red hue that no one has ever been able to reproduce. And that goes to her feet. Her bluish green mantle is edged with gold braid and studded with stars. A sun of various shades forms a magnificent background with golden rays shining out. The fact that the tilma has remained perfectly preserved from 1531 to this day is inexplicable. After more than four centuries, this fabric of mediocre quality retains the same freshness and the same lively color as when it was new. By comparison, a copy of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe painted in the 18th century with great care and preserved under the same climatic conditions as Juan Diego's had completely deteriorated in a few years. At the beginning of the 20th century, a painful period of revolutions in Mexico, a load of dynamite was put by unbelievers at the foot of the image in a vase of flowers. The explosion destroyed the marble steps on the main altar. All of the flower holders, the marble altarpiece was broken into pieces. The brass Christ on the tabernacle was split in two. The windows in most of the houses near the basilica were broken. But the pane of glass that was protecting the image was not even cracked. The image remained intact. Amen. There is so much, so much that our Blessed Mother said to Juan Diego conversationally that it, it just it, I hope it reinforces our faith I just I'm going to highlight just a few things before before we close up the message here what about when when his uncle Juan Diego's uncle is not well and, and Juan Diego thinks he's, his uncle's going to die Blessed Mother assures him assures him that his uncle will get well. Not only does he get well, he gets well literally through the obedience of Juan Diego as, as he goes. He, he gets well at the same time that Juan Diego leaves per the Virgin Mary's request. What about the man that's, that's shot with the arrow? Looks like he's going to die. But he's placed under the miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And through prayer, and through our Blessed Mother's intercession, through the answer prayer by God, the man gets up. It says, full of vigor. See, when we look at these, these numbers, say nine million. Nine, say nine million. I have to reread this. Nine million Indians converted to Christianity in nine years, nearly 3,000 a day. See, for that to happen, something needed to happen. They right when they, we witness these miracles, it enthuses people for their faith. And see, so 
doubters, doubters can often be proved wrong by the result, right? By the fruit. Jesus tells us that in Scripture. By these results, we know something needed to happen. Nine million people just don't become Christian from their whatever, whatever they, their 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 Indian background, whatever it was that, that their idolatry. Honestly, they were being they were, I, they were worshiping through idolatry, which is which is obviously was they they, they didn't know any better. Our blessed mother interceded for them. I also I I, I need to reference. Just what our Blessed Mother is speaking to Juan Diego, even in, in, in really, I guess it's that first conversation. When she's speaking about the fact that she is, the love that she has for us, that she's worthy of our trust, that she wants us to have recourse to her, to approach her, to bring us our requests. You know, in the Diary of Divine Mercy, our Blessed Mother teaches us that she is in fact the mother of us all that she's the mother of mercy and that this can only be understood because of the unfathomable mercy of god that god blesses her with this 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 title and this ability to be mother to every one of us we can't comprehend that with our human mind but we know through the mercy of god that that's possible and that's what our blessed mother tells us I also, I have to highlight this last line before wrap up. The, well, what about when, in his humility, Juan Diego, when he reaches the bishop and the, the bishop, I mean, it doesn't believe him because of, he just sounds like because he's uneducated, uh, poor, you know, who, bishop didn't, they didn't believe him. And he's leaving and he's dejected and he tells our, basically tells our Blessed Mother, can you, can you find someone else? Because I, I don't think I can do this. And what does our Blessed Mother respond? I think her words that she responds are so so powerful. I mean, she could have said, no, no, I'm not going to choose someone else. I, I chose you. But she doesn't say that. That's within that message. But what she says is this. She says, my dearest son, you must understand that there are many more noble men to whom I could have entrusted my message. And yet, it is because of you that my plan will succeed. I'm going to read this one more time. My dearest son, you must understand that there are many more noble men to whom I could have entrusted my message, and yet it is because of you that my plan will succeed. Return to the bishop tomorrow. Tell him that it is I myself, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, who am sending you. Amen. I wanted to close with those words because we're all created for something. We're all created for something. God didn't just put us here 
just to take up space, space and, and, and breathe air. And, and uh, he, our, our, God created us for something. And our blessed mother, her desire, one of her great desires is to help us do the will of God. That is one of her greatest desires. So I hope when we hear that message, because so many times when things are placed upon us, we, we, we ask, you know, is there any way you could have somebody else do it? You know, we, we do that, whether we do it with our words or our actions or whatever. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Something I'm working on. Being more available. Being more open to God's will. But I love what our Blessed Mother, how she responds. She doesn't let us off the hook, right? She does not say, oh, you know, find somebody else. There's a 7 billion people on this planet. I'm sure I could find somebody. No, she doesn't say anything like that. And she, and she doesn't say, what I'm saying, she, I'm bringing it to modern terms. She doesn't say that to you. She doesn't say it to me. She doesn't say it to us when we try to get out of something that our Lord is asking us to do that's ultimately for our benefit. For the benefit of God's plan for the kingdom. Our Blessed Mother tells us that we must understand that it is because of our yes, because of us, that her plan will succeed. Let us be enthused to say yes to Jesus and Mary. Let us be enthused. Let us be enthused. Let us be excited to say yes to Jesus and Mary. Jesus promises in the Diary of Divine Mercy, when we say yes to him, we receive a sea of blessings. A sea of blessings. And we receive the presence of the Most Holy Trinity. Let us say yes to Jesus and Mary. Thank you for listening. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. And this is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast.